I like it. Gets me excited. Uh, well, welcome to another episode of the Connect Podcast. Uh, man, lots of good things that we're talking about today. We got some man trivia coming up in a little bit. We're going to talk about pornography. Everyone's favorite topic. Should be an exciting day. That's right. <laughs> Mr. Matt Manning is here. here. Reagan is here. Hi. Thanks for being with us again, Reagan. Yeah. Good to have you. Uh, and kicking stuff off today, we just had this huge blizzard come through uh, here it in did. Denver and through the Colorado metro area. And uh, we got, I mean, technically, I guess we were trapped in our house for a little bit. It was really funny, actually, because it was supposed to start snowing on Saturday mm-hmm. and well, it did. Thursday. Didn't. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it just kept getting pushed, right? And everyone's like, oh, where's all the snow? Where's all the snow? And then Sunday hits, and it's like... Yeah, 8 a.m. was like over. That's right. My friend posted, and he said, for all you snow naysayers out there, is this what you wanted? Is this what you're looking for? (laughs) (laughs) So, but it was good. I mean... uh, we we did lose power. Did you guys lose power at your house? Nope. nope we were no. all good. Well, that's good. It got it dropped to like sixty four degrees, but oh, in your a, house, in our house, yeah, because we didn't have heat for a little bit. But it was during the day, and we didn't realize how much we're dependent on like devices. Mm-hmm. Yes. When all yep. of a sudden we're like, what are we gonna? And you, there's no end in sight, and you're like, what are we gonna do with our time? Candyland yeah. again. Yeah, that's right. Yep. But it was good. It was fun hanging out with the kids and just. You know, surviving, watching the snowfall. So, Snowmageddon. What did you call it? Yeah, Snowzilla. Snowzilla. Yeah, and 64 degrees is like what I keep my house at. Seriously? So, So, growing up, my house was always really cold, and it was always really hot. And so, Christiana and I were both like, man, once we have our own place, we are making it whatever temperature we want it to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we're going to pay for it, and we're going to be okay with it. Yes. So, we always make our house pretty comfortable which means warm for you correct we can tell by the redness of your face oh apparently <laughs> your house is so warm that you've been suntanning yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i got out on sunday was it sunday no it was i didn't even start shoveling till monday so it was on monday it was probably like 10 30 or 11 and i start shoveling and this is like this is heavy snow right it's not like normal light fluffy snow it's like you get to the bottom of it and it's like wet slush yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so i start shoveling and uh my next door neighbor is my brother-in-law, Jason, and he's out there shoveling, and he has, like, teenagers, so they're all helping him as well. Um, I have my seven-year-old daughter who's out there trying to shovel snow <laughs> with me, right. uh, and we, it ended up turning into a snowball fight for a while. They all started making snowmen. I'm still shoveling, um, but then we ended up building this big, like, hill and turning it into this big slide, and some of the other kids built this, like, igloo castle thing, And it was fun. I didn't go. I was the first one out and the last one in. I was probably the biggest kid of the day. And uh, my face and my neck, my my daughter, Karia, called me redhead. She said, said, Dad, you won. I said, what? what?" She's like, you won at getting the reddest head. The reddest head. Thanks. Good job, Jerry. Good job, Jerry. (laughs) So lots of aloe and cold rags and... Uh, we have another friend that she got burned so bad that her face was swelling. Oh. So she's like, is your face swelling? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, is your face swelling? That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys, any fun stories from your Snowzilla experience? I mean, my kids went out with Sarah on, on Monday, I guess. We shoveled all day Sunday. Mm. Uh, then Monday they went out in the morning while I was working and did some sledding and then built 
like you, igloos and tunnels mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. My wife was like in heaven. You know, she's from South Dakota. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is like regular from like yeah. June to no. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. <laughs> August to June. This is what life is like in yeah. South Dakota. You know, they get one good month in July. And uh, so she was just in heaven building tunnels and all that kind of stuff. Her heaven and my heaven are different places. Very yes. different, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love Colorado because of how fast everything melts away. Yeah. And like Iowa, it doesn't do that. And here it's like as soon as it's done, you can just see the steam coming off everything, which is kind of a cool Colorado experience mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So what about you, Reagan? Yeah. Anything exciting? I, no, I didn't do anything exciting. Um, we just watched it come down on Sunday. My sister and I, we lived together. Um, and then she shoveled. I don't do any shoveling uh-huh. at our house. That's her job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do the dishes. She does the shoveling. Um, and so she shoveled a little bit on Sunday. Um, and then Monday she had to like shovel several times, like a path for the dogs Mm -hmm. to go out. I just watched her and I encouraged her. Yeah. Coached Um, her up. Yeah. She, we have a snow blower. And so I just clapped watching her do it. (laughs) Yeah. That was my job. It was, it was so heavy. Our neighbor's snow blower quit working and like we couldn't handle the the heaviness of the snow yes it was very very rarely very rarely do we have to like shovel into the street to be able to get out but Mm -hmm. you know i think the last time i had to do that was 10 years ago but Mm -hmm. it definitely happened this time if you wanted out you had to shovel the street for yourself yeah and actually we had uh one guy the snow plow guy he did basically the whole whole town but then our street he did one line and stopped like right at our driveway and then just backed out out of the space that he did and then he left and we're oh like my gosh. Uh. and so and it, he ended up coming back later yeah uh after a phone call not from me but from somebody that i know yes and uh and he came and and, and did the rest of it but i'm like you just made us stuck yeah. <laughs> we're here forever that's right so but it's good it, snow days are fun and we haven't had one like that in a long time so it was kind of mm-hmm. it was good to yep to experience that and it was fun for our kids and things like that but uh i think that uh you actually have put together some trivia for us reagan yes uh, some man trivia and so if you're playing or listening at home you can play along to this man trivia and we'll see how how matt and i do so um if you want to rock and roll in the trivia and and i won't look at the answers i don't know if you put the answers no on i didn't put okay, the answers that's good because most for most of these i don't know the answer oh, which was oh. really fun so if we just say it convincingly yeah, I we'll won't get, know the difference. All right. Great. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the correct way to shave your face is with a razor. With a razor. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> whatever you use. Uh-huh. Against or with the grain. Yeah, I think the right answer is with the grain, but I mow because my face grows out so fast. Like I get my mm. five o'clock shadow at noon. Uh-huh. So I just use like hair clippers. I get my five o'clock shadow on Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday <laughs> yes. So you maybe have the right answer yeah. to this. And actually, uh, you'll be able to tell because my face is so burned, I can't shave it. I'm, right. like, I'm not going <laughs> to touch that until it's healed. So we'll see how, okay, how nasty so it gets. If it's long enough, you can go against the grain. No okay. damage done, right? Is that what you're I saying? I think you're supposed to go with, I don't even know. I think you're supposed to go with the grain. Do you use oh, a, when you okay. shave it, shave it, do you use an electric razor still or do you use an actual razor? Yeah, electric. It's always electric. Yeah, and I think with electric, too, I don't know if it makes as big a difference or not. Yeah. Because you just shave it off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. So we don't have the uh, answer for Apparently, we're n- we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know how it works for women. I've given myself a point. So yeah. <laughs> Bing. Oh, I can give it to you. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. You got it wrong. There it is. I, I, okay. I'm not a good reader. That one says buzz, and that one says bell. <laughs> Freudian slip. That's right. Okay, what is Kanye West's sneaker line called? You don't know the answer to this? 
Oh, I know the answer. Oh, okay, I got it too. It's Nike. Just kidding. Air Kardashian. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, is that correct? No. <laughs> no. I, well, you but I me, said it confidently. You, you, you did. did. You made me second guess I, myself. I had but. no idea. I'm like, I'm surprised. Sure. You're isn't, it, here. isn't it Yanzi or Yahtzee or Yeezy? Yeezy. Yeah. There's where it's at. Yes. There's where it's That's at. Good. I expected more from you wearing your Kanye yeah. for president shirt. Yes. yes okay. Today. I got um, this I next mean, one. I knew when I wrote this one, this was going to be stupid because this is a throwaway for Matt. But the, Thor is the god of thunder. And lightning, Jared. Is it both? It's both. Oh. Thunder and lightning, okay. Twinkle fingers. So is we Thor need each other. like a Greek god or like where does Thor find I don't know where origins? Thor is from, in the mythology. He's from Marvel. He's, yeah, he's a Marvel. <laughs> right, right, right. He's a Marvel I just god. wonder if he has like a Greek history. I don't uh, know. Maybe maybe Brando can chime in. Brando, are you are you in the other room? I think you know this. Greek? Good. He's on Roman. HBO Max. <laughs> yeah. He's watching. Okay. Probably like Greek or Okay. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't know either. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So dress code: if Kay. your shoes are black, what color should your belt be? Black. black. Does is this? Does it have to be that way? It has to be in the same scheme. If you want to, okay. if you don't want to get made fun of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No so black belt, brown shoes. Right. Ever. Right. You're That's not supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But or if you're wearing a, a shirt, little strong though. Yeah. I mean, if you're wearing a shirt that's covering your belt anyway, it doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Right? But if you have a tucked in nice shirt. I only shirt. care 30% of the time. Yeah. And only 50% of the time on Sunday. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. Some, a follow-up question. Watch. Do you always wear a belt? Yes. Yes? Uh, if I forget, it's a problem. Okay. That's so interesting <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. You're not um, a belt wearer? No, I for girls it's just more of an accessory than mm-hmm. a necessity. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't have I don't have hips. So my pants just fall off. <laughs> I guess that must be what the deal is. Maybe I that's why mine fall off too. I, I I haven't thought that deeply about it, but <laughs> belts are important. Uh-huh. Keeps, so interesting. Keeps your pants on. Okay, if you had no GPS, what would you use for directions or how would you ask for directions? With a map? What do you do? You know how to use a map? Yeah. Both of you? Yep, I can use a map. But okay. in Colorado, we have the mountains always to the west. That's true. Yes. And so directions. if you're on the front range, and mm-hmm. so it makes so everybody here in Colorado oftentimes gives directions like north, west, east, south, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That, That's the way I do it. That was quicker easy, than easy. I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going to buy a used car. Mm-hmm. What are the most important things to look for? That's a good question. I don't know anything about cars. Okay. And so I have a buddy named Nathan, and uh, if Nathan says buy it, then I do. Mm-hmm. If Nathan says don't buy it, then I don't. And he mm. never tells you why. I, yeah, I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've bought enough used cars and had things that broke that those are usually the things that I look for. So I drive around and I listen to how it's changing gears. Uh, I'll check the tires to see how much tread because I don't want to buy a car. I assume mm-hmm. that the reason it's used is that someone traded it in because something was breaking. And so... So do you ever take it to a garage to have them check it out? Or do you just uh, like free will it? It depends. Like this last one, our car broke down on the way, so we had to leave with something. (laughs) (laughs) So we finally got it there, um, and we were trading it in because we just kept having issues with it. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I mean, we checked. You know, I I look at the engine. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because it's the right thing to do. But I'm like, there it is. Yep. Good. Oh man, I always take it, it to exists. a garage and I pay like the sixty bucks or whatever it is, and I say, tell me everything wrong with it. Mm. Yeah. And then right. I go back to the place and I make them fix it. Oh. Yeah. yeah that's, that's what smart. I do. That's yeah. a smart thing to do. Yeah. Okay. So for next time. So that's what you look time. for. You look for a mechanic to look at your car. Yes, his name is Nathan. Yes. <laughs> I, like I like it. This. He happens to be a worship leader but Fort Lupton as well. Oh yes. 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 If, yes. You're, if you're looking for the specific Nathan. That's right. Got it. So for future <laughs> references. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, man, we are uh, talking about something that I think affects 90% of humans anymore. Um, and so we, we wanted to, we're calling it shameful sex, sex in the shadows. But really we want to avoid that word shame because uh, shame is, I think, a tool of, of really the enemy to uh, not expose the things that we really struggle with or that uh, I, I always say that we all have a big ugly inside of us that we're trying to hide. And so scripture tells us, hey, bring that stuff out in the open and then you know, it's gonna, it's not going to have the, the same kind of hold over you. And so mm-hmm. uh, pornography is something that is, is rampant in our culture. Different people, I, I've even had, you know, I've posted stuff on Facebook where people will come back and say, what's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with it. I can't believe, you know, it's just a normal way to express sexuality. Uh, we're going through our, our fostering process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, basically the, the state's, you know, side of it is they just want to make sure that it's not accessible to anybody that would come into your house. They don't care if you're watching or not watching or whatever. They just mm-hmm. want to make sure that it's like if you have guns in the house, they want to make sure it's in a safe, that it's protected or whatever. And so uh, it's just really interesting, um, the different sides and the different perspectives. And obviously coming from a, a Christian perspective, we have uh, our, our take on it as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think that we just wanted to open up the conversation today because we know that it's something that is real that uh especially it's becoming more and more uh rampant with females as well as males um but definitely with males man i can talk to almost every guy i know that uh has had some sort of interaction with pornography in their life and so um we just want to remove that veil remove the mask and say let's have an open and honest conversation about that and so uh the first thing i I guess i'll just turn it to you matt is uh when if you can remember back when was your first experience with pornography or with uh with naked girls or or however you want to address that question so (laughs) yeah Yeah. um i think everybody remembers their first time Mm -hmm. um their first experience with that. So I guess what I would say is I'm thankful that I grew up in the 90s mm-hmm. where it wasn't as accessible to as it is today. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, if you wanted to access porn in the 90s, like you had to go to a magazine shop or mm-hmm. um, you, had to, you had to find a way into, mm-hmm. that, into that space. Even when the internet came, yeah. you had to wait for the dial-up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, the, all of that up. And like, who knew how to find it in that space mm-hmm. and that. So I think that growing up, uh, my parents were, uh, I didn't have access to it. It wasn't in our house. Um, I went to a Christian college and this was probably before like all the lawyers got involved, but they had like huge um, restrictions on the internet uh-huh. and things were getting blocked all the time yep. and stuff. And so uh, probably good for me, um, it wasn't readily accessible where I could get to it all the time, which I think actually served me well in life. But uh, the first time I remember was probably in my early teenage years. Um, my friends and I, we found this like strip poker games CD, you know, CD-ROM. Remember when you put that <laughs> in the computer? And, mm-hmm. Do tell. And yeah, yeah. so the, yeah, there are these things in the 90s, like our computers didn't just have memory in them. Oh, you right. had to have CDs yeah. and all these games came on CDs and, you know, 
they loaded up. And so we, uh, we found that and, and played that game. And like I said, I remember it. I remember the feeling of escape. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember the kind of the intoxicating feeling of lust mm-hmm. um, in that space, even as a 13, 14 year old kid mm-hmm. uh, in that space. And, um, you know, the reason I s- say that I think we all remember it is because those experiences like sear mm-hmm. yeah. into our memories. Um, God created the human body beautiful mm-hmm. and he created us with sexual desire. And when that sexual desire goes bad, that's called lust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we experience is something that is innately good, mm-hmm. but turned wrong. And, um, but we have all those, those intoxicating feelings that come with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know for me, one of the things was always curiosity. You know, I wanted to know what was it? How did it work? You know, all of those mm-hmm. things that was really my initial driver into things. Um, I remember, I don't even know how, but my friend and I found like a sports illustrated swimsuit, mm-hmm. you know, magazine, which, uh, you know, that that's kind of my first youngest memory of going, Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. You know? Um, and that was kind of the, the spark of my curiosity. And I, I, I feel like there's just like a box laying outside on the street or something that we found kind of like the mighty ducks look at me look at me have you seen the original mighty ducks <laughs> yeah. movie how yes. they found them and and i'm like that's interesting that i kind of had that same kind of experience mm-hmm. and uh you know and so then you know same with you um but i'm a little bit younger and so internet became more of a thing uh, as i grew up you know being able to, to access it and things like that so uh but yeah uh, i think the age of, of exposure is getting younger and younger. And I think the average age of exposure now is like seven mm-hmm. um, is the last I heard. So uh, what about you, Reagan, from mm-hmm. a female perspective? I know that it's becoming uh, more and more of an issue with, with females as well. And so um, I don't know uh, kind of where you land on any of that stuff. Yeah, well, I was first exposed to it when um, I went on like our family laptop. Our, our family had two laptops and um, there was this weird... Um, image on the desktop and I clicked it and it was porn from, um, when my brother had last been on it. Um, I don't mean to rat him out at all. Uh, we know about it. We've dealt with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember immediately taking it to my parents, um, and knowing that something was wrong, but I also, I, I remember the image distinctly and I remember that I didn't look real. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And so that was my first run in with it. But then I think what enticed me personally was um, like romance novels specifically. I know that there's women's blogs that talk about it. Oh, it's porn, you know, and um, but we don't talk about like how graphic those things are. Um, And um, we can be exposed to the graphic nature of those things like through images and then through written words so um that was more of the inlet for me and then just casually watching tv now like you can't watch you can't watch a tv show without being exposed to porn pretty much um i my boyfriend and i were watching yellowstone recently um and yellowstone is this cowboy show yeah and i grew up on a farm and my dad is a rancher and so <laughs> we're watching this and i'm like oh my gosh there's porn in here um and it's normal yeah. And so, yeah. um, and then experiencing feelings of arousal from things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting that the normalization of different things uh, in our culture and even uh, like the show Friends, right? Uh, it's, it's 
they're really pushing normalization in, in that show a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christiana and I will watch it sometimes, and she's like, because we used to watch it with my parents, you know, in high school. <laughs> and, and she's like, you watched this with your parents? Like, how are you okay? With, how are they okay with that, you yeah. know? And I'm like, I don't know. We just kind of buzzed over it, I guess, I don't, or, or didn't think. I don't know. It was just... Uh, it, it was that slow introduction uh, into normality, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that's where we're at today. Where for a lot of people, I think that they just go, it's it's not a big deal. It's a normal thing, and uh, I don't know why you'd have have issues with it. Like you know, it's people's choices of what they want to do. Um, but uh, did did you notice Matt uh, as as you were introduced to it and things like that? Uh, when did you, was it an initial thing where you go, man, this is wrong and I know it's wrong? Um, or, or was that something that you had to kind of process through? No, I think innately I knew that it was wrong. It didn't quench the desire for more, mm-hmm. you know, in that space. And so I think that anytime, um, I think there's innately in all of us, when we see something as intimate that pornography shows us, mm-hmm. uh, that there is a innateness in us that that's private mm-hmm. right like that's reserved for for something else and so i think that there is that innate initial reaction of something's wrong with this and the hiding that happens and the shame that goes along with it and all that kind of stuff and there's reasons for that which i'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes but mm-hmm. yeah no it was it was apparent to me that it was wrong mm-hmm. um but when you tap into that desire uh it's it's hard to put back in the box mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and it's, it's like anything else, any other, uh, sin or habitual sin or thing like that. I mean, there's, there's a sense of, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit too, about how, uh, just that, that craving can become addictive. Um, but also, uh, the more you do anything, the more you're able, it's like your tolerance level for it goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's true with anything that we do, right? Um, if I'm a habitual stealer, you know, and I keep stealing things before you know it, you know, I'm not just stealing candy anymore. I'm stealing cars, you know, and, and I'm able to justify it in my own heart and mind. And so, um, I think that there's, there's a piece of that as well, um, that, uh, maybe initially we all have that, but somehow people get to a place where they go, oh, it's okay. It's not a problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, so, uh, has this is a really this is actually when I think about how to talk about this with my kids because that's that's really big, right? Right. When you get into marriage and you start having your own kids, uh, everything that you've done in your past affects your marriage, and you can say it doesn't, you can pretend it doesn't, and I always knew that was true with if I had multiple sexual partners, like that would be drug in. I never thought that. Uh, pornography would be drug into my marriage. And mm-hmm. uh, I learned very quickly the impacts that it has. Mm-hmm. And now even with my kids thinking about how can I help prepare them to handle it when it's so rampant and easily accessible um, so that when they're all grown up and they're out of the house, they're able to handle it in a way that doesn't ruin their future relationships or ruin their future marriages. And so I'm just curious, Matt, with you, uh, yeah. How has any of, of, of this affected your, your guys' relationship in your marriage, or yeah. has it affected the way that you parent your kids? Yeah, so like I said, I think that thankfully I was pretty protected as a kid in the 90s and then going to a Christian college that it wasn't accessible to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
while I had like points of contact with it and like one of the most vivid memories in college is somebody figured out how to get around the the firewall, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, and so uh, we had meeting after meeting, you know, in the guys' dorms of uh, this first them trying to like weed out who it was and mm -hmm. and everybody was like quiet and it was me yeah, i did right. it <laughs> that's right <laughs> raise your hand yeah. who wants to go with their deepest darkest sin uh -huh. first and so um so thankfully while i've had experiences with porn and in that space it, it never got to a place where um it was out of control and probably not because of anything that i did more so because of the accessibility of it like mm -hmm. a lot of times i look at my life with having a pretty addictive personality. And so I'm pretty careful in terms of all of that, what that looks like, just because I know myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in that space. And so, um, but you know, when you look at the way that uh, pornography has affected our society and our culture, like it's really scary, particularly having three kids and my oldest is 12, he'll be 13 mm -hmm. this month. And you know, the, uh, the age that pornography industry aims for is 10 to 12 year olds, mm -hmm. um, both boys and girls, because if you can get them hooked pre mm -hmm. uh, puberty, uh, then you have a lifelong subscriber in that mm -hmm. space. And so uh, we have certain things, you know, and it's a pain in the butt, but mm -hmm. everything has a pin on it in our house. Mm -hmm. And so you can't get past really anything that's PG or PG 13 in our house without a pin. Mm -hmm. And uh, it makes things hard and a pain as a parent and all that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. it's worth it mm -hmm. um, in order to protect my kids. And I think that when it comes to like pornography and really the idea of lust is that lust is what like dishonors um, uh, the object of your affection, right? And God ultimately, mm -hmm. like the object of your lust, whether it's a man or a woman, um, the reality is, is that you're not treating them as sacred, as precious, um, as eternal, as image bearers of God, right? You're dehumanizing them. And in order to dehumanize another person, uh, you have to um, put aside the promises of God and even have to dishonor God, the, the promises that he gives. Mm -hmm. And so you have this struggle is what we call it, right? This moment of escape, this false sense of worth, the uh, you know, um, unsatisfactory feeling of, of love for a moment in that space. And I think that the way that that uh, has played out in marriages. Mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of counseling through my 15 years as a pastor mm -hmm. uh, in this area. And what I've seen over and over again is that in marriage, we call it a struggle, that pornography is a struggle, but really what it is is just blatant infidelity, mm -hmm. right? Like for a moment, you're taking off your ring, you're ignoring your vows, and you're indulging yourself right. in this space. And over time, uh, the effects of dehumanizing people uh, you lose interest in your spouse. Mm -hmm. I think emotionally you begin to distance yourself from your family and from friends, and you lose your ability to truly love. Mm -hmm. um, that all comes with the dehumanizing of, uh, in essence, what porn or lust does, is when we begin to dehumanize, we begin to lose those things. And I think, as we talk about the normalization of porn in our, in our culture, in our world, I think that some of the things that we see in life that we look at and go, man, that's, that's actually we would classify as dehumanizing. Um, that's where it starts to spill out. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's al it's always the slow, right? Yeah, it's the absolutely. slow cooked frog in the pot that it's not like this immediate thing, but as it starts to ooze out, and and I I like that you use the word uh, in indulging. You're like you're indulging yourself, right? And so uh, once that's okay, then it's the next thing. Yep. Right. And once that's okay, then it's the next thing. And so that's how I think that we we look around our culture now and see all these things that like, man, how did we how how did we get here? Um, it, it's just that slow little 
and and it's always been with the internet everything has sped up right yeah. and so uh we find ourselves uh where we are today you know um and the thing i didn't realize um how much uh it would affect healthy sex in my relationship now with my wife um because not that i mean my parents would always say you you know don't have sex with other people because then your wife will compare it with you you know what it you know and it's not necessarily the comparing thing i it just it it causes different triggers uh in her uh that i don't think would have previously been there um and so it it really does it 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 messes with how good it can be in your relationship and so i just don't think that 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 gets talked about a lot and mm -hmm. and and that a lot of even people who think that it's okay um there is a moment i don't know when it happens but there is a moment when uh, a a woman realizes that what she is doing is having an effect on a man um and i think that a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers don't yet know the effect and power that they have over men around them and so mm -hmm. they dress provocatively or they they do things and 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 they just think oh this is just a normal thing and they don't realize what's going on in the guy's head around them maybe some of them do mm -hmm. um but there's definitely a moment after a woman gets married that something switches and changes and and all the things that she thought were okay before suddenly becomes not okay anymore i don't know i've seen it I've seen it over and over and over again. I saw it with, with my own wife and I've seen it with other people that I know where they were okay with things. They're like, man, I don't know how I was okay with doing that. Mm. Um, and, and, and so even as you're dating, uh, you may be under this false pretense that, hey, the things that I'm indulging in right now aren't actually gonna affect my marriage down the road. And then all of a sudden you get married and that switch goes off where all of a sudden, I think part of it is because you're theirs now and you're theirs forever mm -hmm. and and it's fair for them to be jealous of you because you are now theirs right uh, we talk about uh or i talk about like jealousy being okay uh, a lot of times people say oh you can't be jealous you can't be jealous god is a jealous god right and god is a jealous god because we belong to him <laughs> and he doesn't want to share us with anybody else the same is true with your spouse so when if if uh, is Christiana is jealous for any reason, as long as it's not like driving you to do, like it's like anger, right? It can drive you to sin. As long as it's uh, an emotion that's not driving you to sin, I think it's okay to actually have that emotion because we belong to each other, right? And, and I belong to her and, and she belongs to me. And, and that's, that's the way that God designed it to work and to be. And so uh, I just, uh, man, if I could say anything to anybody who is not yet married and, and is, uh, into porn or into a lot of other things too and, and for the girls out there that might be listening as well that everything you do and every decision you make when it comes to your sexuality is absolutely going to affect the health of your marriage and the things that uh, are going to work in your marriage and so um that that's when i think about my kids that's the message that i want to be able to speak into them over and over again yeah mm -hmm. um and so reagan I, i'm you're not married you're dating mm -hmm. um <laughs> I, I don't even know what question I have. Just uh, no, that's okay. Uh, do you have thoughts or responses, <clears throat> or uh, you know, maybe that switch has gone off with you already? Mm -hmm. um, maybe you remember that experience. Mm -hmm. um, so any anything that you would like to add 
um, I'd love to get your some of your <laughs> thoughts and insights. Here. Yeah, I mean, I can I kinda, say I went off on a on a wild tangent. There, <laughs> no, that's I okay. Like, so. <laughs> I I have a lot to say about this subject. So um, when we were brainstorming specifically this topic, um, what we kind of identified or what we wanted to get at was um, there's going to be a time when we realize or when other people realize, if not only us, that porn doesn't fit in their lives in the same way, that at least experientially, we're all going to come to this point where we realize, oh my gosh, my actions affect my relationships, mm -hmm. right? You know, and so for men and women listening, um, as I was preparing for this, I really asked the question, why is this a bad thing? Or, or why do we not want to do this? You know, we as Christians were assuming, oh, it's bad, um, but I think that we lose um, uh, we lose a lot of the power of our voice when we don't answer that question, why? Um, and so doing some research for this, um, I found that uh, porn is viewed as, um, as, let's see, how do I want to phrase this, less immoral than not recycling. So we know, so if you don't recycle. That's an interesting. <laughs> isn't that interesting? <laughs> isn't that Particularly interesting? Particularly in Colorado. So, yeah. Right? <laughs> so you don't recycle. That's immoral. But porn is it's here or there. And then um, Christians typically feel more shame about it than non-Christians. And I've had conversations with friends at seminary, actually, that find porn to be a neutral thing. Um, and so I don't want to assume that this isn't a common thought. Okay, so is porn actually a neutral thing for men and women? And we know the science behind... Neutral as in not good or bad? Yeah, yeah, okay. morally neutral. Um, so the science behind pornography tells us that we get an, a serious dopamine dump when we encounter porn, when it's something so visually stimulating that you have, you've created this uh, dopamine at such a high level, at such a rapid rate, um, that that can't be recreated until you look at it again and until you look at it again in a higher capacity. So kind of poking at what you were saying earlier, well, we kind of noticed this pattern of it increases in demand the more that we look at it. Well, you can't, recreate that dopamine dump without visual stimulation like that and without it getting greater over time. Well, here's the thing. Um, we cannot, that, that's an artificial dopamine dump and we can, no human can recreate that for you. Your wife, your husband cannot recreate that for, for, for you. So in turn, what this is going to result in is isolating you from your relationships. You can't connect to your wife. You can't connect to your husband in this way that your body and mind now expects you to. Um, and something that uh, the apostle Paul talks about is um, sin or habits owning him and driving him. And so there's going to be this point, I think, in all of our journeys where we realize porn and other things ultimately are controlling me and my life, and I'm not controlling it. I'm not living in line with my values. My kids are exposed to this, something that I love dearly. My marriage is is hurting over this. Um, and from personal experience, um, uh, I ended an engagement over a sexual addiction that my ex-fiance had the wedge that that drove between us, I think was directly correlated to, he had no control mm. over himself, but this habit did. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't wanna isolate men in this because women are just as susceptible to it. And I constantly have to ask myself, is this attempting to own me and my life mm -hmm. or am I still in control of it? And the thing is, um, that's a very fine line to ride, so fine that it's probably not worth riding yeah. it, you know? Yeah, and 
I think a lot of times too, people will say I'm okay with it, but then deep down, if they know that their their significant other is is, is partaking, uh, it doesn't make you. It wouldn't make you feel good, like you know. And, and so even people that say, yeah, it's okay, it's not a big deal. Uh, I think that once the rubber hits the road, you're probably going to ha- be singing a different tune, you know. Yeah. Um, I I had a question, and it escaped me. Uh, and so, oh, that I, it wasn't a question. I just wanted to say there's a really cool website, actually. It's called Fight the New Drug, um, and they are a, uh, a nonprofit, but they're also a, a non-religious organization. Mm-hmm. And they've done actual research on... Uh, the human brain and and how pornography affects the brain. And so it's something that uh, I found a while ago that um, I just really appreciate the way that they approach everything. Uh, they have, uh, you know, different tools to help people who, who want to stop. And, and, and uh, because there's, it's like, it is, it's like getting off a drug. And, and they've seen that uh, because of the dopamine and things along those lines, that it, it actually causes an addictive behavior similar to, uh, cocaine, similar mm-hmm. to marijuana or any other addictive drug, it, it has the same pull uh, on your brain. And so uh, I think that's important for us to understand that uh, there are actual steps and things that you need to do if it's something that you want to stop. Um, and so uh, I would call it a, a, a really good lifeline. Um, and the reason I really love it is because it's not coming from a biblical perspective. I mean, obviously from uh, from us in, in the church, we go, it's wrong, it's lust, it's sin, um, you can't do it. But for someone who cares nothing about the church, they're going to go, so what? You know, uh, and, and they come at it from a science perspective where they say, this is what's happening. And they actually talk about, here's how pornography sites are tied to sex trafficking. Um, and here's the actual links that you can see um, how every time you are clicking, it is affecting, uh, you know, these women uh, or and men around the, around the world. And so um, I would just encourage anybody that um, would like to learn more about that, just go to uh, fightthenewdrug.org um, and you can learn all about they have they even have videos there so you know if you hate reading that's okay you can watch a video you know Mm -hmm. um and and it looks i'm on the website right now too it looks like they have their own podcast as well they have articles all kinds of good stuff on there to to help you as you go through that so there is one more topic uh about this that i want uh, that matt you kind of touched on it but you didn't really dive into it yet um i'm just curious your thoughts on why especially maybe with Christians, because it sounds like maybe with non-Christians it's not as as big, but at least with Christians, there's so much shame tied into uh, into, into pornography. And I, I'm curious, it seemed like you had some insight on that, and so I just wanted to pass that ball back over to you and, and see uh, yeah. your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think uh, just going off of what Reagan said, I think that a big passage in this that we have from Scripture is actually 1 Corinthians chapter 6, mm-hmm. right, where you have the Corinthian church, and in the Corinthian in Corinth, the society, the culture of, is uh, the sex god. And there was a huge temple to a sex god there. And so it was a regular part of culture for you to worship at the temple. And worshiping the temple meant, you know, you picked your kids up after school, you stopped by the temple, you ran in, saw one of the temple prostitutes, jumped back in the car, got dinner on the way home, and, mm-hmm. and that was it. It was like a normal way of life. And Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in such a way that he says, look, that, and he takes it all the way back to creation, you know, man and woman, the intimacy that we share. And it's almost as if in that passage, they're going, yeah, it's not really a big deal. Like, like everybody does it, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. And Paul eventually gets to the space where basically what he's saying is that we all have like an intimacy meter in our, in our 
created for intimacy. That's what we are, right? To be fully known, fully loved without the fear of rejection. That's what intimacy is biblically. And when we engage in pornography, when we engaged, when the Corinthians engaged in temple prostitution, what Paul is saying is that sexual sin, while there's not a hierarchy of sin, it does, it does hit us differently. It does affect us differently. It dings our intimacy. And if we truly, the thing that we truly desire as humans is intimacy with other people. Mm -hmm. And the greatest gift that God's given to us is to have intimacy with a spouse, a deep, deep intimacy with a spouse. And when we open up uh, the sexual sin, you know, the, the, the gateway to the sexual sin in our life, what we're doing is we're constantly dinging the intimacy. And the thing that we desire most, mm -hmm. we don't actually experience. And when we know that we're the cause of that, because we're opening the door, that's when the shame floods in. When we realize that we're dehumanizing other people, when we realize that we're making uh, people objects of our affection, mm -hmm. uh, all of that shame starts to pile in. And if you're a believer, I would say that that's true even if you're not a believer. Um, maybe you you suppress that or whatever, but the reality is, is that your intimacy is getting is getting dinged. If you're a believer, it comes with the added weight of like, what does God think about this? And sadly, in our culture, like we've believed that if I'm a really good Christian then I won't have these like after pornography situations, mm -hmm. right? Like if I was really good, yeah. then I would stay away from this. Mm -hmm. And it's in those moments where I think Satan like uh, weaves his best webs mm -hmm. for us, where we get caught and we start to question who our God is and what our God's about. And then that just piles on the shame even higher on us. And then when we're sitting in that shame, uh, the only way that we can think of to get out is to experience the high again. Mm -hmm. And so we go back, mm -hmm. right? Not because we want to, but because we can't live in the shame. And then the cycle just repeats itself over and over and over again. And so, like, I think addictive pornography has a lot to do with the repetitive uh, nature of shame and trying to come out of that yeah. shame. And then it gets more hardcore, right? More dehumanizing of people, right. greater and greater until you're completely isolated because your intimacy has been completely dinged in such yeah. a way that you can't experience intimacy with anybody in your life. Which is very similar to a drug addiction, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, it all works the same, it's just a different vice. It's, yeah, that's why they have gateway drugs, right? Like, there's gateway drugs that you get started on, and then eventually you make it to the heroin, eventually yeah. you make it to the harder core drugs. And what sucks about our society and our culture is that we're more and more getting to uh, the gateway drug to pornography is everywhere that I look, on every TV show that I watch. Um, and so I, I think that as parents, that's where we have to be very diligent of it's that fine line, right, between teaching them how to handle it in a healthy way and not exposing them to things too quickly. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, the naturalization that's happened in our culture when you and I were kids, mm -hmm. right, 90s, you early 2000s, like we would have never thought in a million years that CBS uh, network television would broadcast a Victoria's Secret runway show, yep. mm -hmm. and yet they have, right, mm -hmm. on national TV. For anybody, like you don't have to pay for it, you don't have to, mm -hmm. right, you can just turn it on if you have an antenna. And so there's been this like normalization in our culture yeah. of what we would call soft mm -hmm. in that space. But for a 12 year old boy, a 12 year old girl, uh, those images sear yeah. into their mind. This is what I'm supposed yeah. to look like. This yeah. is what I'm supposed to look for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's um, one of the, the things that blows my mind. And I still can't understand like this fight for uh, feminism and dignity and, you know, equality. And yet, you don't under, it's like, 
it, they don't match like the sexualization of, of, of how you're conducting yourself in, in one space and then what you're saying in another space and that they, it doesn't actually match. Yeah. And, uh, it, that's, that's one of the things I think that drives me crazy is I'm like, man, like at least pick a lane, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so if someone is struggling and how do we, because I feel like the church in, throughout history has been really bad with handling sexual sin in a way that when someone is feeling shameful, uh, it's hard for them to come out and be open about it. It's hard for them to have honest conversations about it because they're afraid they're going to get judged or they're afraid that um, they're going to be rejected, right? And so uh, what are some steps that somebody could take? I mean, obviously, you can go to fight the new drug. There's other resources out there. Um, but if if you were talking to somebody and you said, what is step one in helping you uh walk out of this habitual sin, what would be your answer? Yeah, Reagan, you want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. All right. So I would say step number one is fight the Mm self-hatred that comes with pornography. Like I think the church has done a disservice. They lack in this area. It's either all external or all internal. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that it's got to be both. Like the gospel has to be relevant uh, to the person who uh, fails and tries again, Mm -hmm. fails and tries again, fails and tries again, right? And if we're ever going to be liberated from the grip of porn, um, we have to realize that uh, we can't live in the excuses, Mm -hmm. right? There's enough tools out there to protect us from what we would naturally go to or want to go to. Um, So it has to be both internal and external. And so I would say like the first step would be to fight the self-hatred, like to warp human dignity Mm -hmm. um, of another, not only affects that person, right? That we're the object of our affection, but it also affects us Mm -hmm. and it causes us to criticize and detest ourselves knowing what we did when we hold the image of uh when we believe in the image of god that we are image bearers of god and when we treat someone as less than that Mm -hmm. the natural consequence of that is Mm self-hatred and the reality is that god is patient with us Mm -hmm. more than we can ever imagine and that god's fighting for you and john 10 10 says that um you know that the enemy comes to kill and destroy Um, But Jesus said, I came to give life. Mm -hmm. And that's so important for us to remember when we are in the sin of pornography, when we're feeling the shame, when we're failing again and again and again, that um, we have to fight that Mm self-hatred to begin with. Yeah, I think it's important for people to remember that that God actually wants you to be successful. Yeah, and he's not (laughs) he's he's not just waiting for the gopher to come out to smash him with a hammer. Yeah, Um, that's not a Greek God waiting, you know, that's right. Hit us with lightning. That's right. Yeah. yeah, did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Reagan? As we're yeah. wrapping up here? Um I, I was gonna bring up John ten ten as well. Um sorry, he, Matt took it. I know. <laughs> That's smarter. Let's <laughs> let's be real. Um yeah, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think one of the ways that we can actively combat that is um confessing it to someone. Um so I have a counselor in my life that I can scream the truth to if I need to, because I think that the scariest part is that is that in between periods of I have this sin going on but I haven't said it yet like that is honestly the scariest part not saying it isn't and so um, confessing the truth in all of its gross reality um, I think is is step one and that also helps you combat that self-hatred mm-hmm. because the enemy is working with you mm-hmm. and your self-hatred in in the space inside of your head but bringing someone else into that confessing that in all of its reality um, that frees you yeah. to an extent and so I would 
would always say that no matter how ugly, mm-hmm. there's someone who can hear yeah. it mm-hmm. and you need to find that yeah. person. Yeah, that person. I think that it's important too that you just don't go broadcasting out to everybody, you know. Yeah. My, Michael it, Michael Scott esque. Right. I could see him doing that. I declare bankruptcy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's finding the person who won't excuse you. Yes. Um, and also won't crush you. Yep. Yeah. Right? Like there's there's a fine line in between that. Someone who will hear your confession mm-hmm. and bring hope into your life. Yeah. Um, and the thing about sexual sin is it causes us to hide and to isolate. Mm-hmm. Yes. And think that we're all alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that's maybe one of the greatest tools of the enemy mm-hmm. is to isolate Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Isolate us from holistic community mm-hmm. where we're all on our own fighting the battle by ourselves. And that's a, that's a loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, again taps into your lack of intimacy with other human beings. Right? Yeah. So. And I think if we go down this road, like, um, you know, another thing that I would add or two other things that I'd add in this is like to remember the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We have a whole book in the scriptures called Lamentations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a guy who's in the sorrow. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest Lamentations that he wrote is Lamentations chapter three. We, you know, write songs about it. And the, the words out of that is that the mercies of God are new every morning right? Like every morning when we wake up. And then at the end of that lamentation, he says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will have hope in him. And I think that the new mercies every morning can serve as kind of the emotional reset button that we need when we wake up. And the prayer, right, of the lamentor, of the person who's caught in shame, the person who's caught in the sorrow, is a reminder that God's at work in our lives. And it's an act of hope when Mm -hmm. we wake up in the morning, realize the mercies of God, who it is that God is for us, that he is fighting for us, that his mercies are new every morning. We can hit the emotional reset button, confess our sins and move forward into that. And then like the other thing I would say is, um, you know, we need to guard ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of platforms out there from uh, Covenant Eyes to X3 Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage people to delete and throw away pictures and magazines and mm-hmm. clean the computers, right? And all of that, because at the, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like the ability to limit your access into that um, will keep you from going back. And if you don't have a structure or a system mm-hmm. um, that takes care of both the internal and the external, then you will 100% go back to it. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the reality. Yeah. And so you have to build the system. And so like the final thing that I would say is like really don't waste your regret. Yeah. When you're feeling that moment of regret, um, don't waste it. Mm-hmm. Um, allow God to use that in your life to draw near to someone that you're confessing sin to. Yeah. Allow it to, to God to work in that shame and in that regret uh, to clean out your heart and mm-hmm. then remember the mercies that God has for you in the morning. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, Matt and Reagan, it's so good uh, to be with you guys today. And uh, thank you for being open and honest with some of these conversations that I think are not always easy to be open and honest about. But please check out Fight the New Drug if you haven't done that. Ch- there's all kinds of other resources out there. Uh, know that Crossroads Counseling, uh, we have a counseling center uh, that you can look into as well through our through our website, crossroadsabc.com. Uh, man, maybe that's what you need is you need a counselor to help you walk through some of this stuff. And so uh, check out some of that stuff. See, that's why I don't use the outro button. It's because I'm done with my music already, and I haven't even shut up yet. You have too many words. I have too many words. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's the outro music. It's the Jared. <laughs> it's the Jared, yeah. So, so check that out. Uh, please visit our site and know that there are people out there, the right person is out there that is, is going to not crush you, mm-hmm. but hold you accountable. And there's hope. And there's hope. There's hope. Life, abundant life awaits you. Now the outro music. Now, yes. Cue it. Here it comes. Here it comes. See you next time.